Hello, 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 good people. It's another edition of the Cool Sore Podcast. Welcome. How are you today? I am so very happy for you to hear this newest episode with Shanice Cleckley, who's a Cool Sore of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. I actually spoke with her on their Founders Day, so you'll hear us reference that uh, quite a bit in the interview. But just a just a joyful woman. I mean, we'll put a smile on your face. I've just been so very happy about our guests for the new year, and she is adding to that happiness for me. Uh, remember, guys, a need for you to, to continue to tell people about the Cool Store Podcast. Subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. A five-star review. We love the five-star reviews. So make sure you're doing that because it continues to get us noticed. And, you know, more people will find out more about us. And if you write something, I'll definitely shout you out. So please make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes uh, so that we can uh, shout you out and show you some love. Okay. So today, Shanice is awesome. She talks about being a teenage mother. She talks about having a blended family and having her last baby at 39 years old. But she all does it with a smile. And you will hear her happiness and joy through the airwaves. Uh, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy this. And I'm really excited to introduce to you Shanice Cleckley. And here she is with Manifestation. Enjoy. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey y'all. I am a cool soror of What's up y'all? I'm a cool soror of Hi, I am a cool soror of podcast hosted by me Rashawn Ali. It is another edition of the Cool Sora podcast and today I'm joined by someone who has an amazing smile. I mean just just pops through the page. I love it. Shanice Cleckley joins the show. She's the baker, owner of My Dessert Bar, freelance writer, author, and all around I would say joyous person. Shanice is a cool Sora of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Happy Founders Day to you. Thank you so much. We're a beautifully young 98. <laughs> a beautiful young 98 <laughs> years old. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining the Cool Sore Podcast. And Shanice, you said you, you've been listening to the podcast for quite some time. Yes, I was a skeptical fan at first, I have to admit, because I am hard on a podcast. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> I am hard on a podcast. Like, is it going to be intriguing enough to me not to look at someone and to just listen to their voice for an hour or 45 minutes? Right. So, you know, I'm pretty hard, but I was on my way to a television interview in Alabama from South Carolina. So I had eight hours that I needed to find to, to listen to something. Right. And I was going through my my iTunes and I came across that cool Sora. I wonder what that is. Wow. I'm a Sora. I'm kind of cool. Right. Let me right. Listen to that. And, and I listened and I have been like hooked ever since. Wow. I wait for Tuesday and Thursday. I'm like, who should go have on next? <laughs> I wonder what. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Does anybody stick out to you like a, an episode that like truly resonated with you that you could think um, of? Miss Shaw. Um, um, from Atlanta, from the Hawks. I mean, from the uh, Phillips Arena. Okay. She. Huh. Um, she 
she is, I don't know. I think because I love diversity and uh-huh. I am really becoming. Oh, um, and, oh, Zing, and Zinga Shaw. Okay. And yes. Zinga Shaw. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. Yes. And um, because I'm really becoming a person who is noticing um, that diversity is not just about your race. It is about your entire experience and being. And um, I'm having to diversify some people in my life. Right. It, it really stood out to me the things that she said, the things that she's done, because it's kind of like the new chapter in my life that I'm right. like, I kind of like that. So. Yeah. I, I have listened to our podcast probably like three times. Wow. So. Yeah. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's a dynamic woman. I, I just, uh, I just, I'm in awe of her. She's just great. I think she's absolutely wonderful. I'm like, I'm gonna meet her one day, just yeah. like a hugger. Right. And that's it. I don't want to <laughs> do nothing else. I just want to hug her, and then you know, go on about my business and watch the game. Right. That's it. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. Well, let's talk about you. Uh, you're a native of Columbia, South Carolina, uh, and you, your life. When it's well, when you when you became pregnant at a, at a young age, and a lot of folks probably said, "Ah, this is it for her." Is that how a lot of people viewed you at that point? It is because I was the honor student. My parents are upper middle class. My my mom is a teacher, an educator. My dad is retired military, was still working in civil service. So I had everything in an oyster. And so when I was pregnant, I actually didn't tell anyone for six months. Oh, wow. And I was also very shameful of, for myself because I was raped. And I oh, took goodness. it as something that I did and something that was going on because after the rape, I was still promiscuous with him because I was kind of in shock. Um, and then an episode of A Different World came on where Freddie was date raped. Uh-huh. And I started crying profusely. And my mom was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like... I'm pregnant. And they said, what? And it was it was such a shock that they kind of went into crisis mode to figure out what was happening and what to do and what was going on. And while teen pregnancy is not something that's new, the fact that, okay, she was raped. Was she raped or wasn't she raped? Why did she hide it? Why didn't she come? What am I supposed to do? All those things came into play with me because I was 14. I just turned 15 years old. Um, it's like, what do I do? Why didn't I see that my child was raped? Right. And and why didn't I see that my child was pregnant? And I'm like, I don't want to have no baby. I, mean, I got too much going on. Well, I mean, really? Mm. I'm on the band. I'm making, I'm on the science Olympiad team. I'm supposed to be a doctor. I can't have a baby. This is crazy. And plus, I don't like him. I don't want him. I mean, I have totally not done anything with him. And then I was forced to have to grow up. This is something that you got to do because I I had her. It was six months old. And um, I moved from Columbia to Alabama to Mm -hmm. my uh, my mom's sister's house and my uncle to get away from her, Um, get away from everything, do something different. And that probably wasn't the best choice because I was alone Mm -hmm. um, or felt lonely. Um, I wasn't alone, but I felt lonely. And um, and I had her at Maxwell Air Force Base, seven pounds, nine ounces. Um, her name's Adrian. She's now 28. Wow. Uh, and she has my granddaughter, who's Cassidy, who's six. And she is my joy. I, I, I love her dear, profusely. I mean, she is. I was like, OK, I got to be mommy. It's yeah. just time to do this. And right. I just went from there. So, you know, that's what a lot of, you know, our families did. They w- would send uh, children away to, to have the baby. And you and you did feel alone. How did you uh, how were you able to make it through that time where you felt alone at, at your aunt's house? 
I was numb and I cried a lot. I had two cousins that were younger than me who are like my sister cousins now. They are truly like my sisters. And um, I wanted somebody to hug and kiss on me. I wanted somebody to love on me like I saw, you know, my aunt doing with them. But unfortunately, my parents were in Columbia. So the day that I gave birth, my um, water, my water didn't break or anything. My aunt waited until my cousin had to go to piano lesson and the other cousin had to go to Girl Scout. And then finally I went to the hospital and she was born within three hours. And she actually, she actually came out in the hallway. (laughs) So back in 1989, you still went to the delivery room. And so Mm -hmm. so the nurse was yelling at me. He's like, why didn't you tell me the baby was coming? I said, I know I never had a baby before. So, right. So, and it's like, we have a baby. So I sat there in the hall, getting into the delivery room, waiting for the doctor to come because they couldn't cut the cord at the military hospital until the doctor came in. So, yeah, it was an adventure. It was a big adventure. Wow. That is, uh, Wow, that that's that's something right there. But but the way you sound now, obviously it's twenty eight years later. The way you sound now continues to uh, push you and propel you to the woman that you that you became because you knew, hey, I had to become a mother. And what was it like during those doing those uh, during those early days? Um, it was it wasn't that bad um, as far as I thought it was going to be. The bad part was the negative images that people saw. Like I had a girlfriend who was my best girlfriend who parents who didn't want um, me to be around her um, because Mm -hmm. they thought that I was influencing her. And I would tell them, no, I actually came out and said, no, I am telling her, don't have sex. Don't do those different things. You need to wait. Even though mine was not even something that was from permission, I still knew what would happen. Um, And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be because my parents made sure I had a teenage life. So while oh, I, wow. okay, I was good. still able to date and I still was able to go out, but I still had a curfew of 1130, even if the baby, but I had to make sure the baby went down. So if she went down right. to sleep at night, I had two hours to do what I needed to do to come back home because right. I had a curfew. I went to prom. I did, you know, all my academics. I did everything that I could do as a teenager. Yet I was also making sure that she learned how to color and taking her to daycare mm-hmm. and, you know, walking down yeah. the street and doing all those different things like that. So, yeah. you know, I still had to incorporate it. And I was I was still numb. I didn't unthaw until college. And that's when it became okay. where it's like, OK, now I see everybody partying and having a good time and I got to go home. Yeah. So that was all. What was that? Yeah. What was that like for you? You said unthaw. Unthaw. Yes. I, I, was, I stayed the course. You know, go to school. Make sure you make good grades. Make sure that you do what you need to do. Make sure you got all the stuff. So I was very studious of going to my first college. I went to use University of South Carolina. Make sure you do all those different things. Um, when she I would like skip class in order to go to my friend's house because they went to HBCUs. I was the only one at a PWI. And so I would kind of pretend like I was at HBCU and go visit them. (laughs) (laughs) So I was sometimes at Fayetteville State and sometimes I went to South Carolina State and sometimes I went to Mm Voorhees. So um, that's when I was like, hey, everybody's having a good time. I I can probably do that too. But then it remembers like, yeah, your mama is going to want you to come home. It wasn't cell phones, but I'm going to get blasted if I come in late right. after work and don't come home. 
So I came yeah. home after work. I did what I needed to do to do it. I just had to, you know, kind of use my my stealthness and do it yes. <laughs> during class, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> So that's great that you still had a life, you know, and and we're still trying to to navigate your way through. So after college, where what happens after college once you once you finish up? I went to school uh, first time for biology and pre-medicine. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted okay. to be a cardiac surgeon because that's what I told my mama. I'm going to be a cardiac surgeon. Yeah. Um, I walked across the, st- <laughs> I walked across the stage and got my grades and figured out that I didn't pass my last class. Um, oh yeah, I was a hot mess, but I still yeah. Ooh. I'm like, oh Lord, I ain't passed my last class, but I needed to live life. I needed to do it, so mm-hmm. no big deal. You can pass that last class. You can do what you need to do. Mm-mm, still didn't do it. Um, <laughs> still didn't pass that class. It's so funny. I'm telling you this because my mama just still doesn't know. But <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, I'm just telling the world. Um, right, that's it. World, and I worked for like a year, and then I moved to Atlanta, and I stay. I went to Atlanta, you know, Mecca. Let's go to Black Dream, and uh, I said I'm gonna go to Emory. I I am going to go to Emory, but first I got to finish this last class, and I will be a surgical technologist, and I can work and go to medical school. And I had a plan, so I went to surgical technology right, right. class for a year for a whole year, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I did my externship in it. In the operating room, I said, this is a bunch of malarkey. Ain't nobody want to do this. Who want to make $17, $18 an hour when I got the same procedure as the doctor? And you mean tell me I got to go to school four more years? Yeah. I went ahead and stopped that and and went to work at Hewlett Packard. (laughs) (laughs) So plan derailed. The plan was derailed. It was derailed like mad. And I was going to school and coming back home. So Adrian didn't move with me. I moved to Atlanta, and for Monday through Friday afternoon, I was in Atlanta. Friday afternoon mm-hmm. till some Monday morning, 8 o'clock, I was in Columbia. So I still took her to soccer games every Saturday and took care of my granddaddy right. and was with everybody, went to church on Sunday, and then turned around and came back home to Atlanta. I did that for the first year. And then mm-hmm. for the second year, I eased up and I did it every other weekend. Plus, I went and I eloped and I married my first husband. And uh, okay, yeah, I was lonely. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> you can't just say that. Like, yeah, then I had a sip of water. That's how you said it to me. Then I had a sip of water, and I was lonely, and then I married this dude. And then you know, I mean, like, no, you can't do it like that. So, take me. How did you even? What? Who is this guy? I mean, what happened he with him? Was, is a great guy. Um, he, I met him in Atlanta um, through a friend. Uh, she's like, hey, mm-hmm. I need you to meet. He's like, hey, I need you to meet my friend. I was like, okay. So I met him and he was the kindest, gentlest man I've ever met. I mean, he was just so gentle and and, and mm-hmm. he was just a nice guy. And I was still seeking validation and still seeking somebody right. to unconditionally love me because I was still wounded inside. And that's what he gave me. He let me do whatever I wanted to do, which he should not have. Mm-hmm. I was able to right. still, you know, be Miss Corporate Raider and do everything else that I needed to do. And he was home. He stayed at home. I was able to do mm-hmm. everything. But then it got to a point where I lost respect for him because of my personality, because I overtook his role. And oh, I wow. did things that I, I, you know, no cheating or anything like that, because he's a great guy. 
he just wasn't the right guy for me. So we were married for like seven years. Adrian came and moved to Atlanta. We lived in Woodstock. I worked at the Hewlett Packard on Ashford Dunwoody when it was there. And then I would go in and out and I would do, I would help like PR and I was still making chocolates. And that's when I dibbled and dabbled in, you know, making a few things for people and little desserts for folks and stuff within the city. And when I got divorced, it was like, I cannot afford to live here and raise this child. And then I got laid off from, I mean, all at, in a few months, I got laid off from my job. I knew I had to file for divorce. My dad got sick and we thought it was cancer. I got, my house was foreclosed on. Um, My husband, my ex-husband did a get rich quick scheme and my bank account was negative $9,000. Oh my God. All within the same, like three months. And I'm like, what, what do you think God was doing? At that point, he was he was pointing me to a different purpose because I was living a life that wasn't mine. I was getting so ingrained in the fast pace of Atlanta in a direction, not even a bad direction, but just not a direction that was using my gifts and skills. I was focusing Mm -hmm. so much on looking at what the Joneses were doing to try to live up what the Joneses were doing instead of living my own best life and living my authentic Mm -hmm. life. While I was still genuine of who I was, I was clamoring and coveting other people. It's like, oh, you Mm. live there? Oh, I want to live there. I have one child yes. and one husband. What did I need? A four bedroom, three and a half bath house with, with two acres of land for no reason. I, I didn't need mm-hmm. that. That And that wasn't even where we were in economically. We were not there. Right. So we subprimed and everything else. That was just not what we supposed to do because I was trying to live up to a standard that wasn't real. It wasn't even my own personal standard. It was someone else's. And I thought that's what right. I needed to do. Yeah. When did you realize that you were running from the pain of what happened to you? I think it was mostly when I got laid off from HP. Um, when I got okay. laid off, everybody was saying, hey, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I need a check in a chair. And they would call it the C and the C. And I sat there and I was like, I do not want to live a life where I have to not have a purpose and I have to be happy that you giving me a paycheck. And then yeah. you're sitting here and you're telling me that I have to train my replacement. And what purpose am I doing? What am I doing? And why mm-hmm. am I doing it? And it was just to cover up um, anything and everything that I thought I wasn't worthy of. I was, wow. I was gathering stuff and gathering things and gathering people because <laughs> I had lots of friends <laughs> because mm-hmm. I thought that I needed to have these things around me in order to make me feel good and make me feel happy. So when that spiral started happening and all these unfortunate circumstances of myself and other things started happening, I had to make a hard decision of, okay, it's time for you to live on purpose. And I vowed right, right then and there it was 2003. I was like, I am not going to ever do something that the Lord doesn't tell me to do. If he tells me to do it, then I'm going to do it. If he doesn't tell me to do it, I'm not going to do it. I don't care how crazy it looks to other people. I'm going to do what he says because all in all, at the end, for me and my faith, is if he's happy, I'm happy. I don't know what he's trying to do. It may be for somebody else, which many times it is, but I'm always going to do it and be fulfilled and the joy started coming back in the things that I needed to do. And that peace started coming back because I knew within my soul that this is where I needed to be at this time. And this is where I needed to be at this time. Instead of saying, I wonder, I wonder. Yeah, I have questioned things, 
but it's mostly in deep within me. I'm like, at this point in this section in my life, this is where I need to be. So let me enjoy it. Let me see what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Let me just ask the father, okay, what is my assignment right here? What do you need me to do? And how do you want me to handle it? And go from there. Yes. Right. So what was that first assignment once you got clarity, once you found joy in 2003? Mm -hmm. My first assignment was to forgive my rapist. I thought I forgave him, but I didn't. So all along, Adrian has always known her family um, because I didn't think it was her fault that he raped me. I never told. She only found out two years ago that she's a product of a rape. She never knew. I two years ago, two years ago, I took the blame. I told her I didn't listen to my parents because I didn't know. I didn't want her to think that she wasn't wanted. Yes. And when she was little, she would ask me a question of, well, mommy, you she didn't realize that I was 15 when I had her till she was in 10th grade. She said, mommy, wait a minute. You are 25 and Carrie's mom <laughs> is 35. <laughs> right, right. And so she started counting. and She said, oh, you were 15. Oh, mommy, you had six. I said, I did. <laughs> and she, yes, said, she right. said, and how did it feel? I said, good. It felt real good. She said, really? Mm -hmm. I said, but it feels good because I can handle any consequence and you can't. I know that I am married. I know because she was asking me about what's my my husband. I said, I'm married. And in our faith, this is what we do because we know that we are bound to one person. And she said, well, did you love my, my dad? I said, I was too young to know if I knew him. I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I took that blame. And I shouldn't mm-hmm. have. And I think that's what right. kind of got me. But when we moved back here and she was able to choose what to do, he actually was in prison. And I always put my name on the list. And her name has always been on the list. So every summer she saw her dad. And when I lived in Atlanta, oh, he would call every two weeks, collect to talk to her. I would send him pictures of her and send him um, uh, her, her, like, her grades and all those different things because I wanted him to know her. And I did not want him to think that I was trying to keep them away because that is, your, yes. that is your dad. I have nothing to do with that. And so um, when she got here and she said, mommy, can you take me to see my dad? And I was like, no, nah, baby, mommy can't take you to see your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of things for you. Well, my grandma can't take me and, um, you know, granddaddy can't take me. Can you take me? So I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I got to take this girl. So I took her to the jail and I had not seen him since I was 19 years old and I'm 30. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking in the door. He didn't recognize me. I knew who he was, but he didn't recognize me. And he was like, is that your mom? And he's like, yeah. He said, hey. I said, "Uh uh-uh, Joker, that's all right. You go on and talk to your child. I'm going to sit over here and talk to this guard. I'm just here for her. Right. I don't got nothing to do with that. But something transpired in me because I was inside. I was hyperventilating. I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I got to see this man. And all those feelings came back and everything. But it just washed over me. It's like she wants to have a relationship with her daddy. You're going to have to get over it. I've never talked bad Mm -hmm. about him. I've never said anything else, but I've also not done anything positive either. So I'm like, you know what? You got to get over this. And so that's when I, that was my first assignment was to get over it. Oh, did you get over it or did you forgive him? I got over it. I didn't forgive him until three years ago. (laughs) I can be quite 
to three. swim at. Um, yeah. <laughs> because we share a grandchild. And when he got out of prison, he came to the birthday party. Well, four years ago, because I was oh. pregnant. And um, when he, with my last child. And so when he got right. out of jail, um, got out of prison after being there for like 21 years or so, um, he, uh, he came to the birthday party. And again, he did not recognize me, but I was a different woman and I was stronger and I have a new husband. I like him. And <laughs> yeah, I, like, I him. like this joker here. <laughs> and so, you know, I have a new, you know, I, I was, I was stronger. I was pregnant with my last child. Um, yeah. My children are 24 years apart, my birth children. It's okay. <laughs> and so, yes. um, and I looked at him and I was like, you know what? He he may have done this and he may have done that, but he's paid for it. Not even for my crime, just the other crimes that he's done. And um, he apologized to when when Adrian found out, he apologized to her through her for me. And he told her, I didn't tell her. And when he told her I raped your mom, I knew that he was taking accountability for it. And I knew that this is something that he had thought about. And I was mad at first. I was like, that wasn't yours to tell. But I'm like, but it is because he's the perpetrator. So it's his to tell mm-hmm. and it's mine to tell. But he he right. told it. So that's when I forgave him. Yeah. How did she how did Adrian take that? It was hard as a grown woman. Yeah. As a grown woman at this point. Yeah. Now, now she was what? She's 26 now. That yeah. was two years yeah. ago. So she was 24. She's she a grown woman. She's 28 at this point. now. So, oh, she's, she's 28, 28 now. Okay. now. Um, yeah. It was hard for her because she couldn't understand why I wasn't mad. She said, you have mm-hmm. never been mad. You've never cussed at him. You've never told me he was evil. You never did anything. So she was mad. I wasn't mad. And she said, how can right. you not be mad? I said, Jesus, that's the only <laughs> way. And she said, mommy, you always say that. I said, I'm for real. <laughs> Jesus. I have learned to forgive him and it's no reason for me to harbor that because that's just going to keep me behind. And if you keep harping on right. it, it's going to keep you behind too. So I had to let her deal with it herself and, and figure out what you need to do. But I really didn't have any other answer but Jesus. Right. My goodness. You you are a phenomenal woman because I don't know. I don't know how anybody would do that. Man, but I'm glad I'm glad that you have have uh, have forgiven him. Yeah, uh, you have forgiven him. So let me talk about this new man that you like. Yeah, honey. that's my boot. And when did you find? <laughs> yes, you found him. You got some bonus babies with him and then you all had a baby together. Let's talk about that yes. and how happy you are. Now. I am truly in the space that God needs me to be. My word for this year is mm-hmm. manifestation. So for Love two it. years, three years, I've been like working hard on my business, working hard on myself, trying to do different things. And this year, all of this hard work will manifest. <laughs> and as I know you're like, Shanice, you had too much happen to you, but I have. Well, I met my husband because I had a car accident and I hit a tree head on. And so in this car accident, I was in the hospital for nine days. I could not walk for four months, but oh he was my insurance adjuster. And so he would call me and was like, oh, Miss Pruitt, which is my maiden name. I'm just calling to check on you. How are you? I see the pictures that are happening. How's everything going? I was like, I'm fine. I'm not dead. It's okay. Can you just pay my bills? And he said, said, well, yeah, I just want to check on you. I said, look, Joker, I need for you to pay this car off because my gap insurance is not working. You know? (laughs) 
And so I'm right. trying to get the business. And he says, after 30 minutes of talking to me, and he says, you know what? You're going to be my woman. I said, what? He said, you're going to be my woman. I said, okay. I see how you want to be really? uh-huh. after 30 minutes. And we were married a year later. What? Yeah. <laughs> did you ever ask him what he saw? Like what he felt? Like what, what was that? How did he know? He doesn't know. I think he was being fresh and then it came to, to light because he hadn't seen me. We were on the phone. He had not seen a picture of me. He only saw my medical report. He only saw my car. Mm. He had no- nothing. And we talked and we, we, he was divorced um, recently as well. And it was just, he, we talked about it and, and he said, hey, you're going to be my woman. And after that, I talked to him every day since then. Oh, and that wow. was in 2006. And, and we got married in 2007. And then with him, I inherited my two children, um, Kirsten mm-hmm. and Jared. So I'm a mom of four, uh, Adrian, Kirsten, Jared and Spencer. And then we were like, oh, you know, we were great. We were great with three. We were great with three. And then I got pregnant and I had a miscarriage. And so um, mm-hmm. I had a miscarriage right after Cassidy was born, my granddaughter. And I was like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm 39. You know, I'm 37. I'm okay. 39 came yeah. around. I was like, I still hadn't had any children. I said, that's okay. I was actually good. I got my three babies. I'm okay. Rashawn, I wind up pregnant. I said, Jesus, yeah. at 39. I said, what foolishness is this? And so everybody said, how did you do that? I said, doing grown folks things. I declare. (laughs) (laughs) I said, my husband was just so sexy that I got pregnant. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I know y'all were like, you what? We doing? Oh, he almost fell down the steps. I said, I took a test and I'm pregnant. And he sat on the steps. He said, oh, Lord. I said, I know because he's five years older than me. (gasps) Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. Y'all were y'all were chilling. I yes, mean, we were chilling. We were okay. And you know, now we're at this point where we have a 28-year-old, she's out of the house. We have a 20-year-old who's in college. We have a 17-year-old who graduates in May, and we got this 4-year-old. We got 14 more years of parenting. I said, oh, my God, (laughs) what are we going to do? And he is, but he is my love. I love this baby. He is a trip. He just hugs and kisses and he's funny. And he's, I can see all three of his siblings in him and um, they love on him. And even though everybody comes in and out, they still have this bond of they FaceTime with each other. And it's like, that's my brother and that's my sister. And, and he's Kiki, can you take me to college with you? He's like, no, baby, I can't take you to college. Oh, but I want to go to college. He's like, no, you can't go. And so they're loving and Cassidy, who's six, who's two years older than him. um, And since he's four, my granddaughter, they call each other brother and sister. So we take oh, yeah, wow. we take them to church every Sunday and I have her like Saturday and Sunday. She spends the night and she's I'm coming to Grandma Nini's house and everything else. And so he still has somebody to play with. But there are times when I just look at him and I'm like, can you just hush? Mommy is old. I am not getting down. I did not take my ibuprofen today. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are so funny. I love it. Your personality is amazing. <laughs> wow. So I love it, though. That cool. is beautiful. Yeah. 
That is so beautiful. And now you write books about your life, yes. children's books. You have four children's books. Yes, right. right? Um, it, yes. it was that was something. Again, Jesus, he be doing some stuff. I said, look at your God. Can you let me know this stuff before you just put it in my hands? I mean, give me a clue. Right. So I thought right. I was going to be writing this inspirational novel like everybody else and put my cute self on the cover and my spanks and stuff and, help my, you know, those little cute pictures. And yeah, yes, yes. And he said, no, just started writing. It was two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, okay. So I started writing, started writing. I said, a children's book, all of this in the children's book. And so it came to me, I've been a mother longer than I've not. I know Mm -hmm. kids. I have intergenerational children. I have kids in every point of like the Gen X, millennial, Gen Y. I got every one of them. So, <laughs> so I can relate to children. And he says, who better to help other people like you, but then you. So do it yes. in the form of the children's book. So my first book was about me working from home. The second book is about a blended family because Disney does it wrong. They say the wicked stepmom and I'm not wicked. I cook and everything. And then right. <laughs> and we're not step. We're inherited. And then we yes. have um, the last one. Uh, the last full book was about my, my granddaughter when she lost her first tooth at school. And then all of them come together in a coloring book that has a story as well. And so when you put Beautiful. all those together, you know, it comes up with the Mommy and Lewis series. And I kind of chronicle this new intergenerational thing of being over 40 with a young child. So I put it on my Instagram and on my Facebook and people say, your life is hilarious. I said, because y'all wouldn't believe me. If I didn't put it on video, you know, if I if yes. I don't put this on video, y'all wouldn't know that my, you know my son is sitting here thinking Michael Jackson. He said that's Michael Jackson. I was like, yeah. Hmm. You think we can go see him? No, baby, we can't. We can't go see no, Michael. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> and they think it's yeah. new, you know. And he he's saying all these different things, and he's pretending like he's a McDonald's worker. He's in love with McDonald's. He takes a chair, he turns it upside down, and it is booths that he goes to the drive-thru. It is not a reflection of me. I do cook real food. He just loves McDonald's. (laughs) And he sits there and he says, I'm the McDonald's man. What can you order? And we kind of mess him up. We say, I want some pork chops and greens. And he says, you can't get that at, and he has a little list. So he said, you can't get that at McDonald's. All you think you can get is some chicken nuggets. I said, okay, well, chicken nuggets. So it's it's fun. Um, It has really taken me to a new direction in my writing, which I've always loved to do. I've always journaled. And now I'm exploring my freelance writing. I write for magazines, for food magazines. So I take my bakery business and I'm able to write about the recipes and and the feeling behind it, like why I like this pecan pie and what it means Mm -hmm. to me and what it would mean to you. And when I'm catering um, for weddings and different things, and I I love looking at love and, and the brides and all the different places. And I'm like, okay, you're in a new station in life. And, you know, let, let me help you when I make my cakes. I pray over them and I'm telling them, I'm like, even in my books too, I'm like, okay, Lord, let this marriage be something of you. Let this, let the light shine, mm-hmm. let them stay together and no man bring it on. You know, I'm praying as I'm decorating and everything else. So when they see it and they eat it, they will understand that it has been blessed and it's been prayed for. And same thing with books. Let Whoever reads this book, let this mom know that she's not alone. Let this kid know right. that it's okay to have a family that doesn't look like everybody else. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to lose your tooth in school and the tooth fairy doesn't bring you a dollar. <laughs> you know, you know right. 
right. those kind of things just so that it could be relatable. So me too doesn't also have to be for sexual harassment. It could be me too because I feel like I'm by myself, but you're not. You're not by right. yourself. Yeah. We are a community. Beautiful. And you do that with your company, My Dessert Bar. When did you found uh, My Dessert Bar? My Dessert Bar, which is my other baby, came in 2011. Um, okay. And it was started, I actually started in Atlanta when I would just make cupcakes or chocolates for people. And it blossomed into a catering company because I filled a niche that caterers don't like. They don't like to do dessert. Like food caterers don't like to do dessert. They don't. Nope. I know yeah. it. So they call me to fill in the desserts or the or the company or the person who's doing it will call me in order to do the back end of it for the desserts. And then also do like corporate gifting. So I'll have a company in um, Florida who may have a client in South Carolina or North Carolina. And I'll go to their site and set up a full dessert bar with a sign that says XYZ company says thank you for your service set it up so they can oh, eat gotcha. and they bring it back down. So it gives me time to write because I don't have to do a lot of them. Um, I can, I can still bake. I can still do what I need to do and, and morph into uh, whatever I need to do at the time, put my cape on, put my wig. I call it, I wear mini wigs so I can change my wig to whatever I need to do and keep it going. Right. Well, in that same year, you became a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated 2011 via the Zeta Todd chapter. Did Zeta Phi Beta choose you or did you choose Zeta Phi Beta? I chose Zeta Phi Beta, actually. Um, They didn't know about me. (laughs) They didn't see me. I didn't even have Zetas around me. And um, Mm. it just so happened that my intern became was a Zeta um, at the time when I did um, grassroots lobbying. And I said, you know what? Let me learn about you. And she said, come on, mom, and took me around. And I said, yeah, I like y'all. I'm going to be with y'all. I like this. <laughs> and, I, and I started reading up on the tenants and reading up, up, you know, why I got started and the Constitution and everything. I said, yeah, that's me. I'm good. I look good in Bluetooth. Let's do this. <laughs> so I was wow. Like, yep. And I was able to do undergrad, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> Yeah, how did you? Yeah, I see Zeta Ta number one, mm-hmm. 2011. I'm like, okay, oh, help me out. Okay. Remember when I told you I didn't pass that class? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I technically never got my first bachelor's. So I went back to school to get a bachelor's. And when I went back mm-hmm. to school, oh, well, I initiated. So I was able wow. to go in undergrad. And how old were you at that point? I was 30. Yeah. Six, I think I was. And so um, oh. the young ladies who were uh, who <laughs> I was there, <laughs> they were all like 19 and 20. And, oh, you know, <laughs> and so <laughs> they looked at me and it was like, Miss Shanice, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> uh, you would not call me Miss Shanice and you would not call me grandma. And I know you guys are, you know, I'm a neo. Oh, I'm doing all these different things, but I have a mortgage and I have a husband. I can't be coming out at midnight. I can't do all that stuff. I'm grown. (laughs) I just want you to know. (laughs) Wow. So it was five. Wow. It was five people on my line and everybody dropped me. Uh, So what? Yeah, it was five people. I see that you're you're line. Yeah, you're number one. You're number one on the line because you were the only one that lasted. Exactly. And that's why they call me insistent. Because I was the last one. I was oh. like, oh, I'm going to do this. Y'all think I'm not. This is going to get done. So. 
That is amazing. <laughs> that is you are amazing. I have just you have made. I think I've been smiling this whole interview. <laughs> Man, yes. What is your definition of cool? My definition of cool is being able to be in a space and time and be authentic and be okay and valued of who you are. And nothing around right. you can penetrate your bubble of authenticity. Yes. Yes. Wow. That is fantastic. And that is, you know, when people, uh, you know, give us or give me their definition of cool, nine times out of ten, they're describing themselves. Is that you? <laughs> that is me. I am yeah. I'm quirky. I'm weird. I am, as my husband said, I'm the little Jewish lady wrapped up in a black body. Um, <laughs> and I said, why? He said, you just love all Jewish food. And I do. And, and so, <laughs> and so I, I, I like those different things. I don't like to be sad. And that's just who I am. I'm, I'm me all the time. Yeah. Beautiful. That is so fantastic. How can people follow you? Find out where you are, get your books, get some uh, some amazing dessert, wherever they are. Give everybody your information. Well, you can start out at my website, which is www.ShaniceKleckley.com. I know it sounds weird. So Shanice is She-N-Nice, S-H-E-N-N-I-C-E, Kleckley, C-L-E-C-K-L-E-Y.com. And that'll lead you to All Roads Books, Desserts, and Me. Ah, oh, that's good. That is so so good. Also, I want to thank you because I know uh, every time you come up on the board on Sister Circle, I'm like, I feel like I know her. There's Shanice again. So thank you for not only supporting this, the, the podcast, but also supporting um, Sister Circle. I really, really appreciate your support. I do. I love Sister Circle. Each of you are so diverse. When you look at it, people don't think you're diverse because folks look at it as color. But each of you have a right. personality that feeds off each other. And, you know, right. watching you and seeing all the guests and who you bring, it's a dynamic that um, America has not seen when it comes to African-American women or the African-American culture. So when you're right. looking at it, you know that we're not all entertainment. We may be a nonprofit. We may be a president. And we have opinions mm -hmm. that, that, that are shaped by our culture, but also shaped by our individuality. And too many times right. people think that our culture is the only thing. So when I watch it, I'm usually at home by 9 o'clock after I drop the baby off and I'm getting ready to start my journaling for the day and I have you guys on. So I'm making my to-do list. So you guys are my to-do list time period. And then I'm right. watching you. So I'm able to tweet and do what I need to do because I love the interaction that you guys have. And then by 10 o'clock, I'm ready to start my day. Right. Oh, wow. We we certainly appreciate your love and support. And uh, I felt like even when you when you emailed me, I like I felt like I already knew you. <laughs> Good. Um, so I'm just I'm just I'm glad that everything that I thought about you is you just superseded it. I mean, you're just you're just a joy. And I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk. Oh, thank you. I truly enjoyed this opportunity. And it's like, you know, now I can write off my bucket list. I've been on the cool Sarah podcast. Yes, I have. <laughs> bucket list yes, done for 2018 manifestation. Yes. I visualized this, this thing on January 1st. And look, it is January 16th. Thank you very much. So on on your found on your founders oh, day. Found How about that? You better go ahead for them five pearls. Yes, I did. 
<laughs> yes, represent for the Zetas, the finer women. Love it. Yes, love it, yes, love it, yes. love it. Well, Shanice, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening and just, I mean, just continue to spread the joy that you have in your heart. And uh, we can feel it. And I know people are feeling better just by hearing your story and your voice and the way that you've been able to overcome so many things in your life and just continue to walk in, in, in that amazing path that God has created for you. Thank you so much, Rashawn. It's been wonderful to be with you. My absolute pleasure. Shanice Cleckley, everybody. Hello, everybody. My name is Shanice Cleckley. I am a mom, an author, freelance writer, and a baker. And I am a cool Sora of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Hey,